Welcome back everyone, it's Nate with a private service announcement. I'm rolling out another interview today for you, and this one's with Shelby Anderton. Usually I like starting these interviews off with a quick preamble explaining what's going on in this episode. Today's no different. Shelby and I started our conversation today with discussions about Disney, dreaming, and traveling. Uh, These all are really, really connected for Shelby, and it's really interesting hearing how her time in Disneyland, the resort, or uh, being across the world at different places, even COVID and how it's changing her plans and uh, the way she looks at her future. You know, all of those conversations, they come up in this episode towards the beginning. We move into conversations about actually how her dog and other factors in her life are really important for her mental health. It's, it's, as, a, as a counselor, I really appreciated the way that she was able to eloquently get across how spending time reflecting using blog posts and having her dog, that's basically a therapy dog, um, how that's really affected her over the short and long term. And, uh, and we find ourselves in conversations also about Curtis, of course, one of my closest friends, Shelby's husband. Uh, you know, that man has taught her a thing or two, and you're going to find out exactly what it is she says is the most important piece that their seven-year marriage has brought up for her. And uh, and also, she's, she's a nurse. And so talking a little bit about COVID and hospital stuff and some absolute faux pas that the general public with uh, gloves and masks, oh man, it's, it's kind of kind of hard to hear how brutal it is compared to what it should be done i mean there's protocols in place there's training in place for use of protective equipment um so we talk a little bit about those things and all throughout this interview i felt so privileged because shelby's the kind of person that has a lot on her mind and doesn't always share those things it's actually a lot like myself and why i started the podcast um so You get the insider, me and Shelby, we talked today, and I hope you enjoy this episode. So uh, sit back and enjoy it. So Jesus, thank you for another day and another great interview I have ahead of me, this time with Shelby. Thank you that she wants to spend a little time talking about some important conversations today. In Jesus' holy name, amen. Amen. Shelby, your husband, Curtis, is one of my closest friends. So often, the time I get to spend with him, I also get to share that with you. We've been on a lot of different adventures together, and I've learned a few things about you that I find incredibly inspiring and encouraging. It's the reason why I'd have you on the show. One One of those things is the way that you dream really big. I... I always have a laugh um, because anytime we talk about at any length, what dreaming consists of for you, your love of Disney always finds a way into the mix. (laughs) You love Disney and I'm not talking about Marvel and Star Wars, which are my Disney defaults. Yeah. Uh, How many times even have you been to Disneyland? Um, I don't know exactly. I figure uh, whatever it is, it's not enough times. 
<laughs> so who needs to keep track? But we maybe just like a ballpark five. number. We've been like once a year for sure since I've been married. So that's seven times. And then I've yep. been multiple times as a child with my family as well. Oh so it's just like a God. special place for us. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, you've been you've been there more times than I've been out of the country. Like it's <laughs> that's so funny. You know, what is it about Disney that captures so well your philosophy on dreaming big? Um, I think like as a child, uh, we weren't my family didn't watch a whole lot of TV, but we did watch Disney movies and um they're always about Hmm. dreams and encouragements and anything is possible and I know Disney can have some controversial messages you can take and pick apart some controversial themes especially from the old shows but I'd say just in general as a business uh, what they represent is pretty encouraging and so to wrap that up between the movies the the time that I've spent with my family in Disneyland um, is always uh, just like a really good quality time together. And I have a lot of really treasured memories from that. Um, and and they just have the resources and abilities to literally make anything possible. And yeah. so to actually know the story of Walt Disney and how he started and what it is now, um, just kind of his whole theme and and what it shows is just like anybody can become anything. Um, so every time we go and they've built these new amazing things and their messages are so encouraging, it just kind of inspires me that, you know, I can be that anybody that turns something into, you know, something really big. You're, you're kind of talking about like the encouragement of Disney messages is something that vibes with you. Like when you say encouragement, what do you actually mean by that? Or what's an example of that? Um, I don't have like a f one favorite movie or um, like one favorite moment that kind of builds, you know, dreaming or encouragement or something. Um, but I think in the movies, there's been a lot of strong female leads, especially in recent times. Um, and that's been really awesome, I think, like for myself and for younger kids to see. Um, yeah. The strong female leads, that's something like that's a personally encouraging piece that you've taken a lot from. Totally. Totally. Mm -hmm. So like we talk in... Uh, we talk in Cinderella, we talk in frog princess, <laughs> like what, tell me about these female winners. <laughs> so I do like Cinderella actually. Um, I like the live version of Cinderella. Um, I like that she, even from a place of kind of abuse and imprisonment, she comes to a place in her personal journey of like forgiveness and moving forward. Um, I think that can be a pretty key piece to take away from that movie. Um, I don't love Frozen in general. Like, it wasn't my favorite movie when it came out, but, like, <gasps> it's fine. I know, I know. Um, but the new Frozen movie, the second Frozen movie, I think addresses a lot of really great 
um, lessons about like relationships and boundary setting and um, kind of finding strength within yourself to be who you want to be instead of maybe who you're expected to be. Um, Mm. So yeah, I think they just like um, capture so well, just different lessons and they just have so many resources and they, they enable so many people's dreams to come true. Um, when it's true. And that's a really beautiful piece of it to me as well. Like when you're there, you just can't help, but have like the best day of your whole life. <laughs> Every um, single time, seven plus times. Exactly. People are like, don't you ever get sick of it? I'm like, nope (laughs) but like you're there and it's it's wonderful but you're saying there's so much more to it though Mm. yeah it's it's a pretty special place for me because of all, all the memories that I have there so I can like walk in the gates and pick different parts of the park where like oh my dad and I shared an ice cream on this bench when I was seven or you know, my cousins and I rode this ride. So it like holds a lot of like really, um, really beautiful memories for my family. Um, Yeah, really good quality time, which I really value. So it's like, there's the piece of Disney is brilliant and amazing with the resources they have. They make dreams come true. They're fun. They're encouraging, but there's also the sentimental piece for you totally. that's just like it totally. honestly could have been anything but this for you it was disney and you mm-hmm. remember walking across in front of this ride or seeing oh before it was this ride it was that ride but now it's yeah. this and like you have all these like historical experiences that remind you of family yeah totally totally and a lot of the messages kind of in the shows there or just kind of throughout the park is that like you know, anything is possible. Dream so big. It's like a common theme in a lot of the music and whatever. And I can just totally get behind it. <laughs> I'm like, yes, I can. <laughs> and when you get passionate about something, you're totally behind it. Yep. It's all or nothing. <laughs> I love that though, because then it's, there's so much life and you put so much into what you do and it's, yeah. there's never a half measure. And I think that's something that I, for me, I find there's not enough of that. Mm. Be be full, right? Be full into yeah. what you do. Give it your everything and don't pull your punches because like, what's the point? Mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah. So they do that well. They, they're totally all or nothing as well. Disney so. <laughs> does not pull its punches. No. <laughs> I have got to go see that Star Wars land. When you, you absolutely those, do. Oh my gosh. <laughs> the pictures you sent. Curtis gave me videos of that. The Millennium Falcon looks so beautiful. It's literally there. <sighs> we will go. We will go, friend. Don't worry. You know what, though? I know that I could go there with you. I could go anywhere with you too. And (laughs) like, you are so passionate about that. You're passionate about traveling in general. Mm -hmm. Uh, You make a point to get out to, you get out of the country multiple times each year and not just to go to Disneyland, Mm -hmm. but across the world. Uh, Last Mm -hmm. year you were in Indonesia with some dear friends and lovely humans, Susan Hoover and Kevin Ty. Big shout out right here. Uh, flights and traveling are now impossible. 
Uh, but you were supposed yeah. to be in Turkey around this time of the yeah. year. Like right now, you probably would have just been coming back. So I guess uh, I guess a question I have then is how has COVID-19 changed your perspective on adventure planning and world traveling during this season? Um, well, I don't know if it's changed my like mindset or planning so much as it's actually canceled them. <laughs> and that's been it's been a bit of a hard um kind of adjustment for me to make mentally because I feel like I am always living in my head kind of in that next adventure and so as you mentioned right now I'm supposed to actually be in Greece we were supposed to fly to Turkey on um, April 15th so last month and then we'd still be in Greece right now our trip was just over a month long and um, I kind of feel like I usually you know, those trips are like the light at the end of the tunnel for me, like we're home, right. we're working, we have really busy, really demanding kind of lifestyles and jobs. And so, you know, to pick up those extra shifts and to put the hours in of investment, it kind of feels like, oh, but that like life experience and that adventure on the other side of the world is the light at the end of the tunnel and kind of what makes the work at home worth it. So it's been a hard adjustment. And and it's not really something I can adapt to yet, um, just because, you know, still international travel and even just driving across the border to the States is actually just not allowed. Um, right. Yeah. Like, so basically, it hasn't actually changed what you're going to end up doing when it comes back down to making those travel plans, but it's actually just ended literally everything that you were looking forward to yeah you are a lot like me in that when there's something on, like at the end of the month like I have mm -hmm. a big star on my calendar and like I'm counting down the days and yeah. those things kind of get me through the mundane every day totally. because all I'm waiting for is that moment where I finally get to drop work at the end of my nine to yeah. five and then I'm off yeah totally so with all that being said, I've definitely, I definitely had to like have a few days of a little bit of a pity party and be sad. And I still oh, yeah. am sad. Like it's hard just to be home. Um, but I, it's also challenged me to kind of look for more of a rhythm and routine of just being home and um, kind of be in a place mentally where just being home is okay and finding the adventure just you know, in the every day to day mundane kind of things and in the rhythm of working and, um, and yeah, putting my time in there. So yeah, it's been an interesting transition. I look forward to when travel will once again, you know, open up and people are, are more safe and there's different restrictions and stuff put in place. But um, for the time being, it's just a really, I don't think there's, I don't think I've ever been home for this long before. Like just kind Interesting. of. Interesting. Like yeah. that many months in a row, you mean, of being totally. at the same place, not having yeah. this trip kind of breaking things up. Yeah. Yeah. Or even just, you know, we live in Nanaimo on Vancouver Island right now. And, you know, all our family is on the mainland. And usually we go visit them at least once a month. So even just those little tiny kind of, you know, trips or I hadn't thought of that. tiny things you look forward to. Yeah, we've just literally been stuck here, which has been hard because um, we've only lived here for about a year. And, 
you know, we don't have much of a community or many friends in the area. Um, but it's also been kind of nice to have a lot more time with Kurt, have just less going on. Um, yeah, different kind of routine. I mean, you were saying that you've got some adventure in the everyday. Mm-hmm. What does an adventure inside your four walls look like then? <laughs> well, it's not so much inside our four walls as it is just in our neighborhood. Um, we live right beside a beautiful lake park with lots of hiking and biking trails. Um, so, yeah, I've just been spending a lot of time kind of in our neighborhood Um Kind of doing like a routine walk around the lake, spending some time in the backyard. Um, it's been beautifully sunny this last while, which we're really fortunate. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. So it's, really making the most of your space, right? Totally. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the world has a lot of space that you'd like to adventure on. Yes. There's a lot of spaces that I'd like to adventure on. But for now, we have to kind of put a pause on that. Be okay with just how uh how how much slower things are mm-hmm. I've, I've definitely had to address to the speed the efficiency yeah. with which i kind of just do everything yeah yeah it's it's a challenge for sure i yeah. i imagine it's been challenging for you too yeah i think i'm pretty i'm somebody who likes to be pretty busy and just mm. like always having something to like occupy my mind occupy my hands so I've been trying to like just create a bit more of a routine in the space that I am to kind of help with that. Um, but I th- I'm, I've realized these last few days I should probably also take up another hobby. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> this oh, week's been God. a little long and a little boring. <laughs> well, hey, maybe, maybe you're going to do podcasting. Here yeah, we well, are. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, you'll, you'll just be the interviewee. It's okay. You know, one of the things that I know you use your time doing, mm-hmm. um, it's this kind of mini blogging, like reflection thing that you do. It's so, mm-hmm. it's so cool. You're one of the most outwardly introspective people I know, if that makes any sense. You, you sure. reflect <laughs> on your thoughts, you write about them, and then you yeah. share eloquent blog style posts on social media for others to ponder on. Yeah. Uh, recently, you've written I about... Did. Everything from cliche wedding advice to white privilege and Black Lives Matter to staying present mm-hmm. in the midst of canceled future plans. You've been, this is not anything <laughs> new for you. You have been doing this for a long, long time. So, yeah. how come this particular writing medium is something you chose um, to put your already mm-hmm. spread thin time into? Yeah, that is a really good question, actually. Um, it kind of starts um, maybe two, three years ago. I was having a really hard time with my mental health and anxiety, and I started journaling. Um, and I like my mind likes to make sense of things, um, and it was a really good way for me to kind of process my thoughts. Um, So that's kind of how it started. And then, you know, I wrote just a few little things on social media that were really well received. Um, And people kind of said, hey, you know, would you keep posting? Like, I love to read what you write. 
it's just the way that I process my thoughts. Um, I have to be able to see it. I'm like totally like a visual internal processor. So that's kind of where it started. And it was just really well received and people enjoyed reading it. So then I thought, I don't mind po keeping posting things. Um, but, but it's not so much for the intention of um, interacting with other people. It's definitely more just kind of my thoughts in my space and you are more than welcome to come by and read them and if like you an resonate, open invitation totally totally yeah it's it's not usually like I my goal is you know some elaborate discussion about it or um yeah it's just it's just kind of like you know stop by if you want to know what's going on with in my world and if it, it's kind of if a window into you? your mind, like yeah, it gives you the definitely. chance for people to see what you've been thinking about and totally. hear something that maybe, maybe they resonate with too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And people have said, you know, you put exactly into words what I was trying to process in my head. And that's really encouraging to, to be able to, to do that for somebody, but mostly it's just, you know, me processing my world. Um, you know, I working as a nurse in the hospital and having some kind of big life experiences that maybe not everybody has um, have been really well received when I share those. Um, but yeah, so so I think, you know, to get back to your question, it's worth my time because it definitely helps me cope. And it helps me make sense of kind of thoughts that fly around my head. And it helps me give meaning to things that happen. Um, and I just think about things really deeply. So I like documenting them and then being able to go back and read them again and kind of see how far I've come and see what was going on, you know, a year ago or two years ago. That's true. You can kind of look back. You know, for me, I like to think deeply, but I don't. I don't think that my words translate my thoughts so well all the mm, time. And so yeah. it's so nice to read something that's eloquent and makes sense. And it's like point A through point B or mm. however, it's just linear for me. I get that. And yeah. if it was me trying to write something down, this is why I'm doing the podcast because I need to. Yeah. Stuff, <laughs> it just comes out and people would be like, what, what? <laughs> are you saying? Um, so I appreciate so much the way that you even just approach it. And like you said, it's not really, you're not like a content developer. You're not trying to make no. people listen to what you have to say or mm -hmm. leverage a platform in some way. But yeah. like, it's the things that make sense to you. And it's the things that give you uh, peace and clarity on what you're doing in your life. Totally. Totally. Yeah. So yeah, I, I mean, I don't even think my Instagram is public. Like it's just, you know, my inner circle of people um, who I kind of do life with anyways. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's just like it's, an invitation. And it's, and it's very creative too. Like mm -hmm. you get to flex a little bit of that, like creative juices and writing and all those things that also definitely are you. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I've always kind of been strong in writing, like even, you know, throughout school, English was always kind of my best subject. So I think it was just a natural way to, to process 
what I've got going on in my head. I have a hard time sometimes taking the like storm in my head and and um, presenting it in a verbal way. Um, so yeah, writing was totally an outlet that was really great to find. It really helped me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's helping you now it's helped you for a long time even before three years ago i'm sure that you were doing what you needed to to kind of process your thoughts in a way that you could finally get it out in a, mm -hmm. in a palatable manner um i think that there's been i know that in my experience even though mm -hmm. i'm not on instagram my experience of walking alongside you and curtis together like the way that it's so important that you found a rhythm in your relationship of taking time to understand what's going on and then coming back mm -hmm. and having those spaces. Yeah. Um, that's something that I also find so, uh, so valuable that maybe, maybe I'll, mm. I'll touch on that again. But when I think of um, the, the value it's had for your mental health, mm -hmm. I know that, I know that your dog Dakota also has had an incredible uh, an incredible effect for years, more than the three of blogging yeah. <laughs> or whatever yeah. you want to call it. No, it's been years and years. So I guess, I guess my question is then, especially cause I'm a noob that has no pets. Yeah. <laughs> what, how has Dakota taught you to see your world through different eyes? Yeah, Dakota. So Dakota is just turned 14 this week. And, and we've had him since a puppy, so he's been my sidekick for the last 14 years. And he's a beautiful he, breed. What is he anyway? He's an American Eskimo. So right. he's like white and fluffy, about 30 pounds. Um, he moved out with me when I got married. So he kind of was, he is my family's dog and they still love him a lot. But I was very fortunate to take him with me when I moved out and and it was kind of at that time, I went through a lot of change in a pretty short amount of time. I graduated high school, started university, got married, moved moved out, kind of downstairs, but just, it was a lot of change. And so I started to notice Dakota was very attentive at that time to kind of my emotions and my uh, level of energy that I was kind of portraying and he became such an incredible support and, and just an amazing therapy. Um, even like really practically, like in moments of actual panic, he sits with me and just is very attentive to that kind of energy. So yeah, he definitely has been, you know, so pivotal in my journey of learning to cope with just a higher level of anxiety um, and he loves to adventure and be outside and swim and all those kind of things, which, um, I love. So he just kind of <laughs> makes sure we're out and about and taking care of ourselves. And yeah, <laughs> it's through this experience at this time that he became so meaningful and so actually like integral in my uh, daily routine that I actually did all my fourth year nursing research on animal therapy and kind of got to see mm -hmm. the um, like scientific based evidence on animal therapy. And I totally right. see that in Dakota and my relationship. I think it's so important. Yeah. So with you talking about 
like how he became integral into your uh, into your daily routine. You mm-hmm. even did your fourth year research on that. I guess back to the original question, what's the way that he's helped shape your perspective, the way you look at the world? Like it, it's hard to give a name to like how I feel when he's around. It's more of a feeling then. Uh, it's a feeling, but it's like also just a really practical like support. Um, and I think to have a relationship with an animal, it like, kind of makes me like if you look at my Instagram feed and it's totally full of Dakota you're like you are just a crazy dog lady and like yes absolutely (laughs) I will own that I totally am (laughs) there are more pictures of Dakota than you and Curtis by a long oh by so many by so many and I think a lot of that is Kurt works a lot and I am like home by myself a lot and so I'm just chilling with Dakota so when we're out and about you know He's, he's my main man. He's my buddy. And then another part of that is Kurt's often the photographer. <laughs> oh, of course. Yeah, he's the one behind the camera. <laughs> so he's the one behind the camera. <laughs> so we got a new camera this year that he's been loving playing with and stuff. So Dakota's um, pretty good at like posing for those shots too. Like he totally is. To you. He at one time had his own Instagram page. Oh my gosh. Classic crazy dog lady things oh, yeah. <laughs> absolutely absolutely and I'll just own that because he just makes makes the routine of my day just go so much smoother he just reminds mm. me to you know be out of my head and be focusing on 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 him really and like I have to get up in the morning because he needs to eat and go outside. I have to, you know, have some sort of routine because he needs to go for a walk every day and, um, you know, be brushed and taken care of and, and needs attention and dinner at night. Like he, he just kind of helps in that daily routine. Is Um, the daily routine part, part of what helps your anxiety then? Oh, totally. Absolutely. Yes. (laughs) A hundred percent. Yes. And it was a journey that was hard to, that like didn't come quickly. It was like over the course of a time that I kind of figured out what kind of routine worked for me. Um, But yeah, like it's just integral to being able to my, being able to cope. He's your main man, but I mean, we have to give Curtis some credit. So I will, <laughs> I will say that man, he has some awesome thoughts about what you have done for him in, mm-hmm. in your relationship. And I actually asked him a question when I interviewed him earlier this month. You're now in your seventh year of marriage. Yes, so what are. is something, what is something he's taught you about marriage that you would want others to understand? Mm. This is a really big question. I yes, feel it like. is. It's so, I actually thought a lot about this one because as like, I've known Curtis since I was 11 years old. So, I mean, over the course of my, pretty much my whole life, he's been, you know, my friend and my best friend and my boyfriend. And, and so we've just grown up together and learned a lot a lot Mm -hmm. (laughs) um 
So I'll just have to pick one or two from the long list. I feel like we could do a whole podcast on marriage and the things that we've learned. Totally. Um, but one thing that is always kind of on the forefront of my mind when I'm thinking about, you know, what makes relationships successful and what makes marriage successful that I feel like Kurt exhibits so well is just the willingness to to change and grow. Hmm. And Curtis is somebody who is always accepted criticism and feedback with such humility and from such a humble perspective. And he's always um, reflecting in all areas of his life how Hmm. he can better himself and not from a perspective that he's not enough just as he is, but just from the a place of there's always more room for growth. Um, and in all that. Very important balance. Totally, totally. Um, in all that, he prioritizes our relationship over pretty much anything else in his life, which I think definitely is, has been cornerstone into the success of our relationship and the lessons that we've learned and the obstacles we've been able to overcome Mm -hmm. yeah I guess then doubling down on the question what has that taught you about marriage that maybe somebody else might need to understand I just think that that is like such a an important trait to exhibit to make marriage successful and like it challenges me to also humble myself and um better myself in the areas that I fall short Mm. um and be more for uh to like ask forgiveness and be Mm. willing to change I just think that you know that's the only way to make a relationship work it's that piece of humility that can be so, so hard to swallow, right? Totally, totally. Yeah, when you're married to somebody, it's like all your selfishness is just reflected back at you in a mirror. Not because mm-hmm. of anything the other person does, but just because, you know, when you're living in such um, close quarters in such a vulnerable place with somebody who literally knows everything about you, It just highlights all the things that all the like little parts of your heart that are so easy to hide from other people, Mm. but that are so, it just brings them into light because you have to be so vulnerable. And I've known Kurt since I was 11, like I mentioned. So he's seen all the different, all the different sides of me over the years and has just like chosen to love me through every season through every change um and so yeah I would say that is like you know something that he does so well and that I admire especially in this season right now we're going through a lot of change and a lot of growth um Mm. so it's just been like the glue that's holding us together well those are some big words Mr. Curtis give yourself a (laughs) pat on the back That's um, the it's from the person who knows you the best. I, I really appreciate that because in my own journey, Shelby, I've mm-hmm. had to work really 
um, really hard with pointed effort at letting humility uh, be more present. Um, Mm -hmm. I think that it's been, it's, I, I guess, I guess where I'm going with this is just, I remember when I was younger in high school, there yeah. was a lot of, there was a lot of challenge in, there was a lot of people challenging me because I knew that I was good at basically everything I did. Mm-hmm. Um, and there would be a little bit of pride and arrogance that creeped up on me mm-hmm. because those pieces that I took for granted or things that I knew I could do at a, a relative proficiency, mm-hmm. um, those ended up being blockers in my relationships. Like I, I had challenges getting close to people because yeah. if they ever made mistakes or if they ever were uh, not up to like a standard that I would hold myself up to, yeah. there would be a bit of judgment. And I, you know, like when I, when I hear humility, I have friends that I've talked at length about this with and it just reminds me of such a a vulnerable time in my own personal growth Mm -hmm. that I'm still going through but I I do I do think that I've gotten to a a stronger place in terms of the way that I show up in the world yeah Um, totally. and like when it comes to humility as a trait it's something that I find so attractive Mm -hmm. um in friends and in dating relationships or whatever it may be family members all across the board in any relationship like when I see somebody that's willing to step back and be servant-like which for me that's humility like the servant nature of Jesus is so exemplified in like what humility is yeah I I find that um I, I honestly inspiring because that's how I feel uh the greatest love is shown yeah, it's definitely a lesson that I've had to work through as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think like mm-hmm. in marriage, something that's kind of hard to swallow is being right isn't as important as being in relationship. And, you know, just the humbleness and humility to um, to prioritize humbling yourself and and service to your spouse as opposed to being right is like you know such a key thing but it's something that I struggle with so Kurt does a good job with that well you know what that's it's a good struggle to have and I guess seven years of marriage is not just the end of it you get to continue I know I know Yeah, it's like been the seven longest years of my life, but the most beautiful and rewarding. So we could probably do a whole podcast just about marriage and relationship advice. (laughs) Maybe I'll invite you again down the road for yeah, Curtis could join us. Oh, oh, actually, that would be awesome. Actually, I I bet that would be hilarious too. I think it would be pretty fun. (laughs) (laughs) I'll I'll talk to you more about that later. Then. Um, we'll switch gears for my last question. I, yeah. I have a recurring question on the podcast mm-hmm. that I've been asking guests and mm-hmm. I want your opinion, but specifically as a nurse working yeah. during this pandemic. Um, so as a hospital worker, what's one thing you miss about the pre COVID days that may never be the same again? Hmm. This question is like so full of uncertainty because I don't think 
I think there's still so much to be learned about COVID and it's still so unclear kind of in what direction we're trending with it that it's hard to, you know, even wonder like where we'll go from here still and how that will compare to what it used to be like. Um, Mm. I think one of the main things I notice right now at work, besides all the really like practical and functional ways we have policies and stuff that have changed in order to keep people safe, minimizing visitors, um, you know, different protective equipment standards have changed. Um, all those things, all the really practical things that we have to do now that we never used to do that are kind of cumbersome. They're really hard to enforce, especially in the no visitors one. That's such a hard one for our patients and families. Um, But I think the main thing that, you know, is kind of the hardest to move through in that space is like all the fear that's come because of COVID. And I just wonder you know, as long as there's no vaccine, as long as this, you know, illness is floating around and people are afraid of it, um, it just changes the dynamic, not even just in the hospital, but in the grocery store, in the parks, kind of just right. in whatever space you're in, when people are hesitant to be with each other. Um, I miss that the most. <laughs> we never it's- used to like be together and be, oh, you know, afraid that you're going to give me a flu or a cold but this new virus is a little bit of a it's so true you have like people if they walk too close to you you get nasty looks in the grocery store you cough oh god forbid yes yeah so i miss that i miss i think the the fear of it results in people doing crazy things (laughs) um have you seen any crazy things I I do as a, a hospital worker in spaces, just knowing a little bit more perhaps about um, hygiene and protective equipment and stuff. The use of gloves and masks is so inappropriately by the general public in these public spaces is a little bit hard to watch. Oh, um, I mean, you're supposed to be trained on them. You're trained on them and you know when to yes. change your gloves and like, exactly. I don't even understand it well. Yeah. And so I've been yeah. just avoiding going out as much as possible because yeah, I don't want to be yeah. adding to the problem. But like, what are you yeah. seeing? Uh, just total inappropriate use of protective equipment. People wearing the main, without like going too long into it, the main uh, purpose of wearing gloves is to avoid cross-contamination. And so when you take you know, the same pair of gloves and you drive your car with them and then you touch your cell phone and then you go grocery shopping and you touch everything in the store and then you itch your face or move your mask and then you get back in your car. You've contaminated all your own personal items as well as everything that you touched in the grocery store with the same dirty pair of gloves. Um, So I think people (laughs) feel invincible when they have a glove on just because of that (laughs) fear-based rationale. But the actual yeah. like science-based rationale might might be just wash your hands before and after, and the gloves aren't really doing you much good if you don't understand cross-contamination. So basically, if you if we find ourselves finished up with COVID in the next while, if it could all come back to normal, we would have 
no gloves anywhere. Definitely no gloves littered on the ground because I've seen a couple oh, of those. Oh, that's like, oh, that the worst. kills me. That yeah. kills me. And people won't be like giving the stink eye every time you sneeze. They'll yes. actually be able to like hang out and it'll be fine. Yeah. yeah. I was at the grocery store the other day in one of the aisles, like in the right in the middle of the aisle, not so much at the end, on my side. And this lady is on the other side, like, can I pass you? And I'm like, oh, sorry, like, where do, where do you want me to go? <laughs> you, yeah. you just, you have to walk by, like, just do it. I'll hold my breath. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. So, Ugh. yeah, I guess in the hospital also, you know, we feel that fear as the staff working with sick people, being exposed to a few more visitors around and stuff. Um, but also, I think just in the community, you can you can kind of sense the same thing. But I miss when people just used to, you know, be together without the worry that we were going to be unsafe for each other. We'll make sure that we have the biggest block party or some sort of friend <laughs> gathering when we're finally allowed, because I'm missing that, yeah. too. And yeah. maybe we can even just do some like funny games with our leftover masks and friggin' totally, totally. We got. I gotta um, be getting. I would those. just like to burn them all. <laughs> <laughs> Bonfire, please. Yeah, but it's hard even at this point to know kind of how this ends. You know, yeah. is it just a slow dwindle kind of until enough people get sick, we have a big enough immunity, or you know, totally. just somebody invent a vaccine that's effective you know at this point it's kind of hard to know so whoever makes that vaccine is gonna be rolling in the dough that's no, all i can say they're gonna be yeah name written in history oh absolutely yeah. i feel like i could ask you so many more questions about any of the things we talked about today but i'm gonna cut mm -hmm. it short um thank you Thank you. Thank you, Shelby. This was a lot of fun. There's so many things I still want to ask you, but yeah. you know what? Maybe, maybe we will have that part two coming up. Maybe a joint yeah. one with you and Curtis. That could That'd be a be lot great. of fun. Thanks for having me today. It was definitely a personal uh, like challenge for myself to think about these questions and express them in more of a verbal way instead of writing you an essay about each of them. So it was a great personal challenge. It was fun to fun to be here. I love it. And I expect to see a, a Facebook blog post of some kind <laughs> where <laughs> talking about your post podcasting experience. I'm kidding. <laughs> Things I learned from podcasting. Yeah. Have a great day and we'll talk soon. You as well, Nate. We'll see you soon. So there you have it. That's another interview finished up. Thank you, Shelby, so much for your time. I don't know if anybody who has made it this far into the episode noticed all the different spots that I spliced and diced up the interview. There was a couple technical malfunctions throughout uh, the actual interview. And so actually as a bonus extra, you get to know that this was the first time that I put some serious work into uh, remixing and moving around audio clips. Uh, I felt pretty proud about how this turned out. If you noticed anything about that, that you have suggestions for me, 
please do reach out. As always, I love hearing feedback, and it's not just about the production side of this interview, this uh, podcast episode, or even just the series that I've got going on. I just love to hear how you're enjoying these episodes and what you like about my style, what could be worked on, what you like about these guests, all of those things and much more. Please reach out to me over private message or leave a like and comment on my Facebook page, a private service announcement. As always, thank you for listening and I hope to hear you speak to you in the next episode.